Welcome to Crime, Corruption, and Cocktails, the true crime podcast where we discuss cases that involve corruption and negligence from the people we are expected to trust. These cases range from the police ignoring protocol to corporations placing people's lives in jeopardy in order to maximize profits. Today, I'm drinking some tension tamer tea because I'm not feeling my best. (laughs) What about you, Del? I am drinking a Red Bull with sake, so something really stiff for this case. On this week's episode, we're going to be diving into the United States Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency, or ICE. This federal law enforcement agency is housed under the Department of Homeland Security and is tasked with identifying and eliminating border, economic, transportation, and infrastructure security vulnerabilities. Their mission is protecting the United States from cross-border crimes and illegal immigration that threatens the safety and national security of the United States and its citizens. We are going to be using several terms connected to immigration. An illegal immigrant is a person who has entered a sovereign nation in violation of that country's immigration laws. An undocumented immigrant is a person currently in the country that does not have the legal paperwork necessary to remain here. A detainee is a person who is currently being held by immigration authorities in the United States. This authority is ICE. ICE was formed in 2002 with the Homeland Security Act of 2002 that followed the 9-11 terror attacks. It is the largest investigative arm of the Department of Homeland Security and the second largest contributor to the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force. ICE is a collection of previous federal immigration agencies. The agencies that were either moved entirely or merged into ICE include the Criminal Investigative and Intelligence Resources of the United States Customs Service, the Criminal Investigative Detention and Deportation Resources of the Immigration and Nationalization Service, and the Federal Protective Service. The Federal Protective Service was later transferred from ICE to the National Protection and Programs Directorate on October 28, 2009. The Director of ICE is appointed at the sub-cabinet level by the President of the United States, confirmed by the U.S. Senate, and reports directly to the Secretary of Homeland Security. There are an estimated 20,000 ICE employees in approximately 400 offices within the United States and 53 countries. It has an operating budget of $7.3 billion since 2019. ICE is comprised of several divisions, including the Homeland Security Investigations, or HSI, Enforcement of Removal Operations, ERO, and the Office of State, Local, and Tribal Coordination. HSI special agents investigate violations of more than 400 U.S. laws that threaten the national security of the United States, such as counterterrorism, human smuggling and trafficking, weapons smuggling, narcotics smuggling and trafficking, the manufacturing, sale, and use of counterfeit immigration and identity documents, human rights violations, transnational gang activity, financial crimes including money laundering and bulk cash smuggling, cybercrime, exploitation of children and sex tourism, trade crimes such as commercial fraud and intellectual property theft, smuggling of counterfeit pharmaceuticals, art theft, international cultural property, and antiquities crimes. The ERO is responsible for enforcing the nation's immigration laws and ensuring the departure of removable immigrants from the United States. The ERO uses its detention and deportation officers to identify, arrest, and remove immigrants who violate U.S. immigration law. Deportation officers are responsible for the transportation and detention of immigrants in ICE custody 
to include the removal of immigrants to their country of origin. The Office of State, Local, and Tribal Coordination is ICE's primary outreach and communications component for state, local, and tribal stakeholders. It is responsible for building and improving relationships and coordinating activities with state, local, territorial, and tribal law enforcement agencies. ICE operates detention centers throughout the United States that detain illegal immigrants who are apprehended and placed into removal proceedings. About 34,000 people are held in immigration detention centers on any given day. There are over 500 detention centers nationwide. Under the Trump administration, the number of people detained on any given day has increased to 52,500. Illegal immigration refers to the migration of people into a country in violation of the immigration laws of that country, or the continued residence of people without the legal right to live in that country. Illegal immigration tends to be financially upward from poorer to richer countries. President George W. Bush had a zero tolerance towards illegal immigration. During his two terms in office, he deported over two million people. Despite this tough immigration stance, leniency was typically shown to people who were traveling with minors. The next president, Barack Obama, deported even more people. Estimates had deportations at just over three million from 2009 to 2016. President Obama focuses on the deportation of illegal immigrants who have committed criminal offenses. Then President Obama had to handle the 2014 illegal immigration surge and try to comply with the 1997 Flores v. Reno Supreme Court case, which stated that families should be kept together. The Obama administration created family detention centers in Pennsylvania, Texas, and New Mexico. Unaccompanied minors were housed and separated by their age and gender. In 2016, it was ruled that while minors should be released within 21 days, ICE did not have to release adults. President Donald Trump has adopted a zero-tolerance policy without any show of leniency. As a candidate, Trump called for the end of the catch-and-release policy, which refers to not detaining immigrants while they wait for their hearings in immigration court. This is in conjunction with a wall on the United States-Mexico border. Trump's immigration policies are heavily influenced by senior White House advisor Stephen Miller. The Southern Poverty Law Center wrote that Miller sought to promote white nationalism and anti-immigration rhetoric through Breitbart. They also claimed that emails show that Miller obsessed over non-white immigration. The Department of Homeland Security detains families suspected of illegally crossing the border. Under the Trump administration's zero-tolerance policy, the Department of Justice began to criminally prosecute all suspected illegal border crossers for illegal entry, even those who crossed for the first time. Families undergo separations when parents or adult relatives are charged with unlawful entry. ICE contracts the operation of around 100 facilities for child migrants to companies and nonprofit organizations. The Flores Settlement requires that ICE hold children no longer than 21 days before releasing them. ICE has been accused of severe abuses of power, of neglect, and unconstitutional practices. We are going to talk about a few of them. We encourage you to look into other allegations that have been levied against its federal agency. ICE is supposed to treat the detainees with dignity and respect and provide for their basic welfare. This has not been the case. According to the Department of Homeland Security's Inspector General's Office, ICE detainee cells are ice boxes with temperatures cold enough to cause hypothermia 
Romania, and they are in deplorable conditions. In fall of 2017, a report came out that at least 28 women had miscarried while in detention. One woman had a stillbirth, and there was a delay in getting her to the hospital. Another needed to be sent to the hospital with severe head trauma. ICE has also been accused of force-feeding detainees. In February of 2019, ICE agents force-fed nine Indian detainees when they went on a hunger strike in protest of their treatment. Congress only mandated ICE to start publicly releasing information related to deaths in custody starting in 2018. Since then, there has been at least 40 people who have died while in ICE custody. A Jamaican man died from a curable form of cancer when he was denied medical attention and placed in solitary confinement instead. At least three people have died as a result of self-inflicted injuries while under the care of mental health professionals who are under the employ of ICE. There are many more examples of ICE agents not just woefully having disregard for human life, but trying to cover it up. In both Arizona and California detention centers, guards falsified records to try and show evidence that they completed welfare checks on detainees. These detainees died. One example is Roxanne Hernandez, who was a 33-year-old trans woman from Honduras. She had lost 40 pounds while in custody and showed signs of dehydration and starvation. Despite this, she was not given proper medical attention and died due to complications from AIDS. In another case in Florida, a man who was not fluent in English was given medication and the instructions in English and made to sign a document in English that said he wasn't having suicidal ideation. He later died. Another detainee who was wheelchair-bound was observed through surveillance cameras falling, and when a guard expressed some concern, a nurse brushed it off and said that the detainee was faking his symptoms and they did not intervene to help him. Even when their negligence does not lead to death, it has serious consequences. One detainee who was missing all of his bottom teeth and a portion of his top teeth was not given a special diet to ensure his nutritional needs were met. Another problem that is rampant with ICE facilities is the sexual assault and rape of detainees, along with the lack of investigation of rape accusations. Over 14,000 complaints of sexual misconduct have been filed against ICE. In the El Paso facility, there were camera blind spots in which the guards allegedly used to grope and kiss detainees. A Mexican woman claimed that she and two females were taken into isolated cells. Once there, she claims that three men wearing masks raped and beat them. They were then bused to Mexico, and she discovered later that she was pregnant as a result of the alleged assault. A male detainee said that an officer in the detention center said that a guard stared at him and then grabbed his genitals while he was in the shower. Another woman said she was repeatedly sexually harassed, including twice in one day. She said the guard touched her private areas, kissed her without her consent, and watched her while in the bathroom. Over 4,500 illegal immigrant children had reported being molested or sexually assaulted in ICE facilities. President Trump's family separation policy caused these numbers to increase. In one case, a staff member was accused of fondling a young detainee. Children are often scared when witnessing the abuses perpetrated on their parents. In one example, a woman said she was sexually assaulted in front of her three-year-old son. The Governmental Office of Accountability reported that immigration jails and prisons failed to report 40% of allegations. One ICE facility had been closed down due to the amount of sexual abuse allegations against its staff members. 
The Prison Rape Elimination Act was passed by Congress in 2003 to protect against sexual assault in prisons and jails across the country. It took the Department of Homeland Security until 2014 to finalize regulations implementing PREA. Even with those regulations in place, DHS PREA standards do not protect immigrants in all detention facilities. Because the agency has taken the position that those requirements can only apply when the agency enters into new contracts or renews or modifies old ones. Proponents of ICE will look at the agency as being the one thing that stops criminals from flooding the borders and it prevents the borders from being open to anyone that seeks to enter the United States. Before we dive into the discussion, we need to take a moment to show our appreciation to the organizations that are aiding immigrants through the complicated process. This list is not exhaustive, but includes organizations such as the American Civil Liberties Union, the National Immigration Justice Center, and the Interfaith Community for Detained Immigrants. There are so many different things that are involved in this case, and the one thing we need to discuss is the marginalization of victims. Illegal immigrants get the brunt of bad press, and people assume that they're bad people simply because they cross the border illegally. That's not the case. Like, they're humans. They deserve to have a prosperous life just like anyone else does. And so the fact that they are looked down upon enables ICE to do what they do now, which is to essentially treat them like subhuman trash. And we said earlier too, a lot of people immigrating to the United States are doing it for economic opportunity or they are trying to escape their countries for political reasons, war reasons, famine, things like that. So it's not just people who are lazy, that can't get a job, who don't want to go through the legal immigration process. It's a complicated issue. There's really no black and white to it, which a lot of people don't want to focus on. That's so true. And nothing in life is black and white. You always have to look at it as a thing of, yes, we would love for everything to be, you know, flowers and roses all over the world where you wouldn't have to leave your own country in order to have a better life. But that's not the case. You have serious issues going on in other countries and you have violence being perpetrated against people. And for us to be a safe haven, it's really important. Yes, I totally agree. And like we said, immigrants are painted as inhuman criminals that don't deserve rights because they're committing some crime. And we do see that for people in prisons in the United States. You you committed a crime, you're subhuman. Of course, you deserve slop. You don't deserve to be comfortable. As we stated earlier, many detainees are taken advantage of because their abusers know that they have power over the detainees and that they can easily victimize them, partly because they are scared, but because they also know that these allegations will likely not be believed. It's also the part of you have to be available in order to have an investigation on your behalf. And you saw it in the previous case that we talked about where they allegedly raped a woman and then bust her back to Mexico. Probably with the goal of her never being heard from again. You know, she was one of the lucky ones that was able to get a lawyer and to file a lawsuit, but 
Unfortunately, that is not the case for a lot of people. And you also have the language barrier that comes into play. One of the alleged male victims of ICE said that he was lucky because he spoke English, where a lot of the victims speak Spanish and they're not able to communicate their abuse to other people. Yeah, that's such a good point. And that's something we see not even with detainees, but people in everyday life that that are living in one country and don't speak, I guess, like the mother tongue. I know America doesn't have an official language. There's lots of controversy around that as well, but we do see lots of people get taken advantage of or seen as dumb or slow because they don't understand a certain language. Going off of that, we're also seeing women in these facilities get unwanted gynecological exams and surgeries, and one of those is hysterectomies and Reading that just really makes me think of the eugenics movement, which for anyone that isn't familiar, was a movement in the 20th century that was aimed at improving the genetic composition of the human race. And something that unfortunately stemmed from that was the government kind of taking control over the bodies of Black, Indigenous, people of color, and doing forced sterilization upon them. So it's Kind of one of those things that we always think our country moved past. You know, in America, we don't really talk about our really dark, disturbing history that often. And when we don't do that, history repeats itself. Even when we do talk about it, history repeats itself. That's definitely true. And it's one of those things of one of our basic human rights is the right to control what happens to our body. And crossing a border illegally doesn't eliminate that right. Yeah, it all goes back to people just thinking these immigrants are subhuman. And because of that, they don't deserve things like access to soap, medical care, and in current times, no access to masks to keep them safe. We've seen this in several different detention facilities. And we talked about these deaths from people. Many of them were preventable if the ICE agents, if these people had taken action at these facilities and they clearly didn't care enough to do so. And this is connected to the fact that many of the ICE facilities are actually privately run. And this is just a prison that is not owned by the government, but by a private company that contracts out to the federal government and they get money per bed that they fill. In total, About 19% of federal prisoners and 6.8% of state prisoners are held in private prisons. So 77% of ICE detention facilities are privately held. So definitely the largest chunk of ICE detainees are being held by private companies who their goal is to maximize the profit of their shareholders. And unfortunately, that comes at the cost of the lives that are held within them. A lot of times, private prisons have been compared to the Japanese internment camps. For those that don't know, Japanese internment camps were established during World War II by President Franklin Roosevelt through his Executive Order 9066. From 1942 to 1945, it was the policy of the United States government that people of Japanese descent would be interred in isolation camps. This was enacted as a reaction to Pearl Harbor and the war. Military zones were created in California, Washington, and Oregon, which were states that had large populations of Japanese Americans. So again, here's this dark past that we have. And I'll be honest, I never really learned about internment camps in school. I definitely never learned about them in middle school. And I think we might have touched on them in high school. But why aren't we talking about this? Yeah, it's one of those dark days in our history where you take a legitimate threat. World War II was definitely a legitimate threat. 
And then instead of actually looking and focusing on that, you use it as a reason to be racist and you use it as a reason to marginalize a group of people simply because of where they came from. And it extended beyond people that were Japanese citizens. Even if you were of Japanese descent, which means your parents, grandparents came from Japan, you were detained, which is crazy to think that someone would be paying for the nonsense of their parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. If that all isn't like American history wrapped up, I don't know what is. There's so much fear. I know we're not the only country that really has like thrived off fear, but I feel like fear controls so many of like American government actions. And despite the harsh realities that they face, illegal or undocumented immigrants have some type of safe haven that can help them, and that is a sanctuary city. A sanctuary city is a locality that doesn't hold illegal immigrants for ICE agents unless they have committed a serious offense. Non-federal law enforcement agents are not legally or constitutionally obligated to enforce federal law. While crossing the border illegally is a crime, the act of being undocumented is a civil violation. The only people that can arrest someone for being undocumented are ICE agents. This is even true for police officers that want to arrest undocumented or illegal immigrants. While the police have to enter the person's name into a database shared with ICE, they cannot hold that person. The Supreme Court ruled that you cannot hold a person just because you're waiting for ICE agents to pick them up. And sanctuary cities have become a hot button issue because you had the Trump administration saying that they were going to take away federal funding from cities or other localities that chose to be a sanctuary city. There are sanctuary cities and states. So a few examples of sanctuary states are California, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and New York. And then for sanctuary cities, we have Philadelphia, Chicago, New Orleans, and Baltimore. It is throughout the country, more so like on the the coasts, which makes sense, but they are throughout the country, which is nice to see. There's sanctuary counties too. And you'll notice just like with anything else, there's definitely a divide when you look at some southern states versus the west and northeastern states. So you have states like South Carolina and Mississippi that have outright banned sanctuary cities. Many politicians and organizations have called for the dissolution or reformation of ICE. Jenny, what do you think is the best solution? This is really tough, um, but I do think that there is a need for ICE to be abolished. I don't think an overhaul or a reformation is really enough based on the lack of respect for human rights that the agency continually shows. It's almost like that's what the agency is rooted in. And their chain of command is very anti-immigrant. And I know that is their job, but it to me, it comes from a place of hate and you need to be a little more impartial in this position. So to me, like a full overhaul would be a totally like new agency or agencies that already exist taking on ICE's responsibilities. Immigrants are not this enemy that ICE has made them out to be. And ICE doesn't play by the rules that were written for them. We've seen them arrest victims of domestic violence that were just seeking protective orders. People aren't getting fair trials and individual circumstances for people are not getting considered. When you see the pictures of the detention facilities and hear the stories of what's going on in there, I don't see how anyone with a moral compass can think that what ICE is doing is acceptable and needed, especially to children who had no part in their parents' actions. I don't see any benefit to separating families. And 
I am honestly very worried for this generation of children who have lived in these facilities because they're facing trauma, not only from being separated from their parents, but from being abused and neglected as well. I mean, Adele, I'm sure you've seen the pictures of kids and adults just sleeping on the floor, other kids like taking care of the kids in the facilities because the guards and nurses won't do it. It's disgusting. I would be happy if there was some kind of reformation of ICE and just everyone was taken out or there really was accountability for their actions. Something needs to be done, regardless of, I guess, what exactly it is. Something needs to be done because people do not deserve to be treated the way they are. I think there are several ways that we can reform ICE and ensure that ICE is not neglecting or abusing the immigrants that they come into contact with. The first is increasing the ability of immigrants to report agents who are harassing and assaulting them as well as abusing their rights. The second is increasing the supports available to refugees and asylum seekers. And lastly, I agree that the criminal investigative assignments of ICE should be handled by other agencies. I think the fusion of the criminal investigative side and the humanitarian side is a bad decision and causes one to become overshadowed. Unfortunately for immigrants, ICE chose the side of overcriminalizing illegal immigration. So Jenny, as we talk about ICE and the allegations against it and the arguments for and against abolishment, what are your final thoughts on ICE as an organization and the allegations against it? I really didn't know too much about ICE other than like news headlines I had seen. So it was nice to start to do some research. I mean, I only really know the tip of the iceberg with all of this, but but I think that they're kind of militant for no reason. And it really seems like they're very overzealous with their power and just kind of unruly. Like they, I know people have kind of compared them to Gestapo. They're America's like Gestapo and secret police. And I got to agree based off what they're doing how they're treating people, particularly like reading all the information about the sexual assaults and how 40% aren't investigated and one facility had to shut down because it was so bad. Where is this regulation at? And that's all the stuff to me that leads me to say like, they need to go or they need to get reformed like as soon as possible. As you can see, like it has immigration really stopped with them here. No. I definitely agree. And I'm always um, disturbed by just the amount of allegations that are levied against them, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I think that the fact that they are the foremost agency that has the most complaints and the most allegations and corruption within it, I definitely agree that serious reformation is needed for this organization to last. And honestly, like you said, I don't know if that's possible. We're definitely going to keep a close eye on ICE and see what happens with a new administration coming in and seeing if that has any effect on the way ICE operates and the policies that they follow. I know a rallying cry with all of this is children don't belong in cages. And I feel like that's what I want to leave everyone with. So that wraps up this week's case. Thank you for listening. And please let us know in the comments what you think about ICE and its handling of the ever-changing landscape of immigration. Make sure you click the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. You can also find us on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube every Wednesday with a new episode. Follow us on Instagram at Crime Corruption Cocktails and on Twitter at Charade Inc. Please consider donating to our Patreon. This will help us get better equipment and bring higher quality content to you. We appreciate any amount you can give. This is Jenny and Dell signing off. Stay safe.